Thank you, Jeff, uh, for leading us through that. Thank you guys uh, here. Thanks at home for joining in as, as we lift that prayer up to God. You know, I, I have a, a question I wonder about here lately. I wonder if one day, maybe in months or years from now, uh, the, the word 2020 is going to become one of those phrases uh, that we say, you know, like when, when people are going through life and everything kind of comes off the rails and, and things don't happen the way that they're, they're supposed to happen or that we want them to happen or, or we just don't know what to do next. I wonder if somebody's going to say, you know what, that's just so 2020. <laughs> I kind of feel like, you know, that's the, the year that we're living in because so much of the, this year has just not gone according to plan. And like I said just a moment ago, when, when that happens, when that's the, the season of life that we're in, uh, we look to the world to save us, we look for uh, somebody to help us, or we look to blame. Instead of saying, God, what is it you are doing? What is it that you want to teach me? What is it you want to lead me to? God, what is it you want to do in me? But the reality is these are just hard times, right? But here's some silver lining for every single one of us. In the midst of these moments that we're walking through, and we could list just a long list of things that, that are happening. And, and I walk with so many of you through life, and I know, you know, some of the stuff happening in the world is just the tip of the iceberg for you. I mean, there's so much stuff going on in your life. But the silver lining for us is in the midst of all this stuff is that people are open to the influence of truth and good and a message of hope like they've never been before. Amen? That we have an opportunity to point people to something greater. That we can point them to hope. But here's the thing for us is that if we're going to point people to hope, then we have to make sure that we have a different master. Because the masters that we typically live under, things like politicians and things like cultural leaders and things like entertainment and money and popularity and all the stuff are really poor masters. Lots of promises that never really come through. And so we're exploring over this month into the 1st of November what it looks like to make God the master of our lives. So we live into and under the kingdom of God. And we're going to explore today specifically what does that look like for our families? How does my family come under the, the power, the purposes of God? Now, we need to understand that in this world there are always two kingdoms vying, fighting, working for your allegiance. We've got the kingdom of God, which represents the reign or the authority and the purposes of God in the world. And the thing about the kingdom of God is that usually in our thinking, it looks upside down. We think this isn't the way that things are supposed to look. This doesn't make sense to me. But on the other side of it, when we surrender to it, when we live into it, it actually leads to life. It leads to purpose. It leads to meaning. It leads to hope. It mean, leads to love. But then we also have the kingdom of the world. And the kingdom of the world is that, that power, that authority that drives us toward the immediate, but our misplaced desires. And the thing about the kingdom of the world is that it is highly influenced and driven by what Scripture calls the prince of darkness, who is Satan, who is deceiving us, he's defying us, he's working to destroy us. 
And we look at the kingdom of the world and we think this is common sense. But if we follow it to its end, it leads to emptiness and ultimately to death. And so you and I have got to make a decision on which kingdom we will live in. Are we going to live in the kingdom of God and the power and the authority and the purposes of God that may look upside down, but it leads to life and purpose and meaning and love? Or will I lead into the kingdom of the world, which I know is influenced by the prince of darkness and his lies and ultimately leads to emptiness and death? Now, the decision... Seems easy as we put it that way, right? Like we all want to have life. We all want to have meaning. We all want to have love in our lives. But the immediate desires of our hearts, those misplaced desires can be so tempting. And they can be so deceiving. And they can twist our good intentions to lead us into a place where we never, never want to be. Nobody gets up and says, I'm going to ruin my life today. And so we got to step back and say, how do I intentionally choose the authority and the purposes of God in my life? And, and for us today, what does it mean for, for me to lead my family into the authority and the purposes of God? I've wrestled with this, of, of where do we need to turn to see God's purposes for our family. And I, I looked at a couple of different places and I finally landed on, I said, God, I, I, what we really need to hear is just what you have to say about your kingdom. And so I thought, well, where does Jesus talk about the kingdom of God? Now, the gospels are full of this. That's the primary uh, message that Jesus had through the gospels was the kingdom of God is here. And what does it look like? But he begins this conversation about what the kingdom of God looks like and what we have come to know as the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to start there. We're going to actually be there the next couple of weeks looking at what Jesus has to say about the kingdom of God. Now he starts in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. So that's where we're going to start together. Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. This is what Jesus has to say. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Understand this, citizenship in the kingdom of God is marked by blessing. Did you notice that verse after verse after verse? Blessed are those who choose God's way, who choose God's power, authority, and purpose in, the, in this world that he's created. Blessed are those who seek the kingdom of God. The word is makarios. It means to be favored. Uh, it means to, have, to be fortunate. It means to be blessed. Now, some, so much of the time we take a word like this, to be fortunate, to be favored, and we, we kind of 
twist it because of the, the culture, the West that we live in. We think, well, God's kind of like this, you know, this cosmic slot machine or God's this sugar daddy that's going to give us everything that we want if we just choose him. That's not at all what it's talking about. Uh, let me share with you just before we get into this, what does it not mean to be blessed? Well, one thing, it's not about being good or a better version of me. It is about total surrender to God. It's not about being a, a better dad or a better mom or a better spouse or a better kid or a better brother or sister or a better grown child taking care of my aging parents. So it's not, that's not the goal for us. If we will seek God's kingdom with everything that we have, we will be better. We will be changed. We will become like Christ. But if that is the goal for me to be a better version of me, I will miss that and the ultimate goal, which is that relationship, that unity with Christ. It's not about being a better version of me. It's about lifting up the greatest who is my God, my King. Second, it does not come as a reward for following rules. See, blessings describe life in God's kingdom. This is not some heavenly bribe that if you will do what I tell you to do, then I'll give you all the things that you want. See, many of us who've been walking this road for a long time, who have been following Jesus, we know that usually it gets harder on the other side of choosing God's kingdom, not easier. You don't all of a sudden start getting all the things that you want because so much of the time, the things that we want are the very things that are going to lead us to emptiness and death. And it's not about saying, God, I'll follow you if you do for me. No, it, the blessed life, it describes when I choose God, I am favored because the blessing is God, not what he will give. And then finally, the blessings of the kingdom always are tied, connected to hope. The message that we have, the good news that we have is a message of hope that God's kingdom is here and now. It is at work, but it's not yet finished. We look around in this broken, messed up world. We look at 2020 and we say a new day is coming, that this is not the end, that God is still at work. We have hope. And so ultimately what this means for us is the blessed life is a life surrendered to the purposes and the powers of God because the blessing is God himself, that God is with me, that God is working, that God has hope, that God has a future for me, and it is with him forever and ever and ever that one day I'm going to be singing with the angels, praising my king, and he's going to bring a new creation where all things will be made right and good. And I can see that working out even today, that God is faithful and true, and he has not left my side. He does miracles. He has, and he will do it again. And so I got to wrestle. For me as a dad, and for so many of you as moms, as brothers, sisters, as kids, you know, what does it mean for us to live into that into, with our families? What does it look like for me to say, God, I'm going to live for you? Because ultimately, if I will choose the kingdom of God, then there's a change that starts happening in me. There's a transformation that starts happening in me. And usually you see it first in the family. 
Because who are we with most? Our family. What often sets us up for the purposes that we have or holds us back from the purposes that God has for us? It's the family. What affects every other relationship in our lives? It's the family. And God wants to bring a transformation in our families so that we can live it out in every relationship of life. So what does that mean for us? It all comes down to this for our families. If you're taking notes, this is something you want to write down. Families embracing the kingdom of God are driven by values over activity. Let that sink in for just a minute. (laughs) That when we embrace the kingdom of God, the way we relate to those closest to us, and by the way, we relate to everyone in our lives, we're driven not by what we need to do, or fear of missing out, or what if we're missing out on this, or what if we do need to be doing this, or a false guilt because we see other people doing things and we think we're supposed to be doing it. We're not driven by that. We're driven by what we hold to as worthy and true and right. And how we think and how we feel and the decisions we make and what we commit to is not driven by what other people are doing or the sense that we're supposed to be busy, but it's driven by what am I holding on to that's true. And this is what Jesus in the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is laying out for us. He says, this, these are the values of the kingdom of God. And the question that we are encouraged to wrestle with is, are these values driving my family relationships the way I live out my life, or is it something else? Because if we go back to the two kingdoms, both kingdoms are distinguished by their own set of values. And if we don't choose on purpose, we'll choose by happenstance. So the question I want to lift up for us is what are the values that are driving our families? So let's just look, verse at a time. Verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So here we have self-sufficiency versus a need for God. What's driving my relationships? Is it I'm okay. I got it together. Nobody get in my business. I don't want you to know that I'm broken or I'm in need or I need help or I might not have all the answers. No, I want to put up this image that I got everything okay. Is that what's driving me? Are we teaching our kids to grow up and say, you got to act like you got it all together. Don't let anybody see the chinks in your armor. Or are we saying, no, I'm a person in desperate need of God. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit who are sometimes physically poor, but always know that we are poor when we look at the righteousness and the power and the purposes of God, and I am nothing without him. Is it self-sufficiency or is it, man, I just need Jesus. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We've got pleasure versus brokenness. So much of our lives, if we're honest, so much of my life is spent trying to avoid a need to mourn. I don't want to experience sadness. I don't want to experience pain. I don't want to experience any reason that's going to move me to have to mourn, to have to be broken, to have to be sad, to live in despair. 
But Jesus turns it around. He says, no, blessed are the people who realize that they're broken. Blessed are the people who realize that we don't get it right. Blessed are the people that realize that 2020 is just a microcosm of the brokenness of the world. And so we mourn. And so we come together as a church and and before we get into God's word, we repent and we say, Jesus, I need you, forgive us. That I'm not going to live my life in constant pursuit of the next fix, the next pleasure, the next feel good. But I'm going to come to you with open hands and say, God, forgive me, change me, help me. Verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This word meek, it doesn't mean to just be less than or weak. It just means to recognize the, the truth of who we are. That God is God and we are not. And so what we have is power and leverage versus humility. Are we willing to come to God with humility? Parents, are we teaching our kids humility? Spouses, are we encouraging, are we loving one another with humility? Or is our relationship driven by I deserve or I need or I want? What's driving our families? God would say, I I want a humble and contrite spirit. I want people to come to me who bow, knowing that, that I will lift them up. You don't have to leverage power in your life because we have the God of creation who has all the power in the world. And he says to us, he promises when we come to him, he will lift us up. See, it's not just that that it's wrong for us to try to leverage the power. It's that there's an actual limit to our power and we have a God who has unlimited power and he's made it available to us if we will come. So where are we leading our families? Verse six, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Are, are we yearning? Are we, do we have a deep desire for all things good and right that God wants to bring into the world? See, we, here we have the crowd mentality versus true justice. Now, I'm about to step on some toes for just a minute, and it's going to be equal opportunity. Everybody gets to have your toes stepped on. If we're going to live into the kingdom of God, then the news, the social media, or the crowds around us do not get to define for us what is right and good and true. But also, what a shame if the people of God are not living such with every day, every opportunity, every relationship, the voices and the lives that we have if we're not living for the things that are right and good and true so that the news or social media or the crowds have to rise up and say, this is not right, somebody needs to do something about it. My goodness, people of God, we need to rise up. For the things that are really right and good and true. The next verse, verse seven. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Here we have entitlement versus mercy. Is it what I think I deserve? You hurt me. You did me wrong. 
you need to pay. Or is it, man, thank you, Jesus, for saving a sinner like me, and I'm just going to pour that mercy out on everybody I can. Let's keep moving. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It's not talking about a, a perfection of always getting everything right endlessly without fault. This is a, the intentions and desires of my heart are for all things good and right and true. That the deepest desire of my heart is for the purity of God. And so the struggle that we have is entertainment versus purity. If I were to confess to you today, one of the bigger struggles that I have probably in life is is giving up on the calling of God because of boredom. Because of boredom, because I'm weary, because I'm tired, that I will look for some entertainment to to make me feel good, to make me laugh, to to make me whatever that is not after the purpose of, of God. Instead of saying, I want to have a pure heart, I want to pursue you every day of my life, no matter what. Jesus continues, my goodness, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Are we working for peace? See, the challenge for us is we have offense versus peace. How many of us, we are easy to get offended. How could you say that? How could you do that? How could you think that? How could you vote for that? What's wrong with you? And we get so easily offended instead of saying, no, we are children of God made to work for unity. Whatever you think, whatever you feel, uh, my, my responsibility is to love you and to live truth and to point you to the God who would save you and redeem you. It's not my responsibility to fix you. I got enough junk in my own life. And so we work for peace. And then, and then finally Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So we've got the ease of life versus sacrifice. Am I willing to lay it down? Jesus said, unless you're willing to take up your cross and follow me, then you know, you've got no part of the kingdom of God. We've got to be willing to say the, the purpose of my life is not to be easy, but the, life of, the purpose of my life is to have meaning and power and to make a difference in this world for the kingdom of God, for the king who has saved me, who the king has redeemed me. Scripture says the same power that lives in Jesus, our king, lives in us, and we are to live that out. And even if the world makes it hard, we keep loving, loving and we keep living truth and we keep forgiving and we keep pointing to things that are good and right and true and we keep holding on to our God instead of the powers of this world and we don't give up. Blessed are we, favored are we when we choose the ways of God. Now, if we're not careful, we're gonna hear these words from Jesus and we're going to experience all kinds of guilt. And we're like, man, I'm not doing any of that. I'm getting all of this stuff wrong. I, I got no hope. And here's the truth. The answer is not trying harder. The answer is not like just pulling your bootstraps up. The answer is not be like, I got to do these things. Remember, the, the families that embrace the kingdom of God are not driven by I do. They're driven by the truth, the values of God. And so the answer for us is not to try harder. The answer for us is to fall on our face and say, Jesus, 
King Jesus, I need you. I trust you. Savior, Redeemer, Creator, Sustainer, Jesus, you are my hope. The hope never resided in me and what I do or do not do. It was always in you from the beginning of creation. Jesus, my hope is you. And so if you're here or you're listening or you're watching and you're like, man, my family is just all wrapped up in all that other stuff and all the activities and all the fear of missing out or my life is just wrapped up in all that stuff, please don't hear, I will do. Here, I will fall down and Jesus will do what I cannot do. We turn to Jesus. We need our hearts to be open to what Jesus wants to do in us. So I want to encourage us that maybe we would take up a daily prayer. That we would fall before Jesus with this attitude of, Jesus, you do for me what I cannot do for myself. And it comes from Isaiah chapter 32. Let me read that to you real quickly. See, a king will reign in righteousness. We have a king who is reigning. A king will reign in righteousness and rulers will rule with justice. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert. Do you know that's what we can be for this world? It's like streams of water in the desert with the Holy Spirit living in us and the shadow of a great rock in a thirsty land. Then the eyes of those who see will no longer be closed, and the ears of those who hear will listen, and the fearful heart will know and understand. So here's the prayer. If you, I'm going to put it up on the screen. I want you to read it with me. Let's all read it together. Lord, Give us eyes to see what you are doing. Give us ears to hear what you are saying. Give us hearts to understand your ways. I want to encourage you to pray that through this week. Whatever relationships you have around you, that we would fall before Jesus and say, I need your transformation so that I can live fully in the kingdom, which is your authority and power and your purposes in this world. I want to be a part of that, God. So I need you to change me. So here's what we do as we pray that. We repent, God, I'm not getting it right. I need you. We worship, God, you are king. We surrender, say, I will follow you. And we step into his call. So we're going to talk about next week is that Jesus has a call for you. So if you'll stand, I, I want to just pray for us. That we can walk through those steps, that we can repent, we can worship, that we, we could surrender, that we could step out. And that Jesus would do a work in us. That all those values that, that Jesus talks about would be evident in us. Not as a reward or a bribe, but just the description of our lives because Jesus has gotten a hold of us. May we surrender to him fully and say, God, I'm yours.
These altar rails are open. If you'd like to come and pray as we sing, you can pray in your seat. You guys at home, you can kneel right there and pray. Maybe today is the day that you surrender for the first time to King Jesus and what he wants to do, that, that work that he did on the cross where he took our sins and he defeated it and he went to the tomb and he rose from the dead so that you could have life. Maybe today could be the day that you experience that and all these things just start to bubble up out of your life and you can live for the kingdom. So let me pray for all of us and then we'll sing one more time. God, we love you, we praise you, we celebrate you. The King of Kings. God, we know you have a kingdom and it breaks through every part of this world, starting with us and our relationships with those closest to us. God, we repent. Forgive us of the ways that we are activity-driven. We have that fear of missing out and that, that unnecessary guilt that we're supposed to be doing something because others are doing. God, break that chain and lead us to be driven by the values of your kingdom that we could live for you. God, we surrender. Thank you for your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy and your power and your life and your hope that you give to us. We honor you. We celebrate you. We bow down before you, God, for those who are struggling with the first step or the next step. Holy Spirit, come and dwell in them and live in them and empower them. Pray for them, God, that they would step out toward you. And today could be a brand new day as they step into the gates of your kingdom. It's in Jesus' holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen.